Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice, so you know that she's not going to shout now. Get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 381. Hello. I was just singing to Life is a Highway. I want to ride it all night long. And if you join my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, for $5 a month, you can see the video version of this podcast. And I have already done a half an hour episode for the video version people. Oh, that's right. You're missing out. Anyway, hello, everybody. It's me, Jen Kirkman. What is this podcast? I am a comedian. You may know me from my Netflix specials, I'm Gonna Die Alone, and I Feel Fine, and also Just Keep Living. I've also written two books. Here's the deal. This is neither a polished book or a rehearsed comedy special. This is just where I go to talk off the top of my head about what's going on in my life, sometimes in the world, and sometimes just in my head. It's where I can come to be me. It's sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but at least it's always honest and real. The podcast is like talking to a friend where you say nothing. Enjoy the podcast while you do the dishes or drive somewhere and you feel like you need someone in the front seat talking to keep you awake. Wake up! Wake up. Let's just get into it. What are we going to talk about this week? Well, of course, last week I said I was going to talk about how I'm already annoyed at July 4th, and then I forgot, so let's just talk about that. I said I had a tampon story to tell you. I totally forgot about that. It wasn't the Charles and Camilla tampon story. There's another tampon story. And then this week, because I haven't really been having much of a life the past two weeks, I'm going to... I've got a bunch of really fun articles. We have sent sperm to the moon. We have sent wine to outer space. Um, There's a lot of crazy pilot situations going on. I I guess 
deep down, they're actually not that funny. There was like one pilot going off about liberals, but he was caught on tape doing it. And uh, then this other airplane ride where a guy with no shirt was trying to open the emergency door. Who hasn't? Who among who among you should criticize him? We've all done that. Um, so I've just got this guy uh, thought he was in San Francisco, but he was really vacationing in Maine. Just a bunch of weird, fun stories. So I thought I would just, I don't know, maybe we'll just call this episode like fun news. I don't know. Listen, who cares what I'm naming the episode? It's not your problem. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm riding with Biden. I don't want to get into a political argument with people on the far left or the far right. I don't want to be called a centrist or a corporate or this. Just shut up. I like Joe Biden. I always have. I'm riding with Biden. If I could put my Ray-Bans on right now, I would in full support. Now, I think he is killing it with the COVID response. But the one thing that I wish he would stop saying, although, listen, if I were the president, I guess I'd have to say the same kind of thing. When you're referencing how things are going to be, if everyone gets vaccinated, how things will be really cooking this summer, of course, you're going to mention America's birthday and you're going to mention the holiday of July 4th. But as you know, if you've been with me for the duration of this podcast, which, by the way, I have been doing for eight years. It used to be called I Seem Fun. Started it in 2013. So if you want to go back and listen to old episodes for free, no charge here. I'm not trying to sell you anything. Just go to jenkirkman.com, click podcast, and there's a link. And it's on SoundCloud. And you can just go there and just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And you go all the way back to 2013. And oh my God, what a, what a way to spend your life. Now that the pandemic is, you know, I mean, it's listen, it's still raging on. But as you know, things start opening up, maybe you're vaccinated, maybe people want to get together with you. You're like, no, I am used to staying home alone and listening to podcasts. And I just found out that I can access Jen Kirkman's archives. I'll see you all in September. That's how long it's going to take me to get through seven years. So anyway, Joe Biden and many other people are saying This July 4th is going to be, I don't know what he said, I don't have the exact quote, the best ever, we're going to be with our families. Who's with their families on July 4th? I mean, I don't live near my family, so I suppose if I live down the street from them, like, yeah, I might see them on July 4th, but um, so I guess that's, we're just talking kind of in general, but I'm not like, wow, July 4th, what a meaningful day for my family and I, (laughs) but if you've been listening to this podcast the whole time, you know that July 4th is my least favorite holiday. I hate barbecues and I hate fireworks. I just, it's not my kind of fun. It's just, I don't want paper plates. I don't want to stand up eating. I don't want things grilling on the grill. Now, listen, I love a good veggie burger. Throw some cheese on there. I do love a little bit of a grilled bun. Oh my God, you put some zucchini in some tinfoil and put that on a grill? Delish. I don't mind grill life. But I don't need the party to be centered around the grill. Party to me is very specific. I have millionaire tastes on a, what is that called? Caviar tastes on a, champagne tastes on a beer budget. Caviar taste on a, I forget what the Big Mac budget. I don't know what the expression is, but I know that one of the expressions is champagne tastes on a beer budget. I am not some, you know, fancy all the time bitch. But for some reason, parties to me, 
I want them to always have a little bit of extra glamour, something that makes life extra special. And nothing depresses me more than a plastic red solo cup. Cannot stand it. Will leave the party if I see them. And now, if I if I have another choice, that you know you know where this comes from. I'm going to tell you exactly where this comes from because I think everything comes from childhood. So I grew up on a golf course. My dad was the groundskeeper of the golf course as well as the manager of the golf club. And so every Friday and Saturday night, there were weddings at the function room at the golf club. And I would be in my bedroom and I would listen out the window, especially in spring and summer because it had a nice outdoor and indoor area. And the DJ would be... You know, we lived right on the golf course. So the golf club was, I'm not good with yards. And I knew, I know that from using ways where it's like in 600 feet. And I think that's in like one foot. And I'm like, 600 feet is so much further away than I thought. So let's just say 600 to 900 feet away is the, is the golf club. But the DJ is blaring and it's, you know, it's, I'm five years old. I'm five years old in 1979, people. I am old. And so I'm listening to celebrate good times. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. You know, or I was too nervous to really get down. So I'm listening to all those fun songs, and I'm like, when I'm a grown up, I'm gonna go to parties like this. And then as I got a little older, my dad would take me to the function room, you know, hours before the wedding would start. And he'd be there to meet with everyone and make sure everything was going okay. And the bartenders there loved me because I was an adorable little girl. And they would be like, Jen, do you want to help us set up? And I would be like, yes. And they would give me those plastic champagne glasses where you uh, take the bottom and the top and you hook them together. My God, that was my favorite thing to do, to just attach champagne glasses. It was just thrilling. I was like, I am touching things that grown-ups drink out of, and someday I'm going to drink out of these. And then you grow up, and everyone's so into barbecues all of a sudden. Like, I don't know, did it happen after the bicentennial? Like, what happened? America just got so basic. And it's like everyone's wearing cargo shorts and this plastic different, you know, listen, these champagne glasses admittedly were plastic, but they were cute. They had a shape. I mean, I got to go to these parties with people grilling and bad shorts and standing up and grease hamburgers and, and, and eating meat and just grease all over their face. I, I don't want that. This is not a party. This isn't a party. A party is you sit there in some kind of caftan with your big Elton John sunglasses on and, you know... So you you hire a waiter, and if you can't afford it, you just find a hot friend and tell them to wear something cute, and they walk around and they pass you champagne in those little plastic things that a, a nine-year-old has put together for you. <laughs> and you have that, and maybe there's a, a fruit plate and a cheese plate, but what the, this, and then, you know, but this fourth, everyone come over for a barbecue. I'm like, oh, God, what? No. I just don't like barbecues. And everything in America now is fireworks. Every holiday is fireworks. I can't believe that Christmas isn't fireworks. But someday, I'm telling you, I've said this before, mark my words, soon Christmas will be a barbecue firework holiday, despite the fact that in many places in North America, it is cold and snowing. It will still be that. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So I'm just like, oh, here's Biden by 4th of July. I'm like, oh my God, 4th of July is going to be, do you even know I'm already have a headache from the fireworks that are happening on 4th of July? I mean, every single illegal firework is going to be out in the streets. It's going to sound like Armageddon out there. People, I know people with dogs don't like this. I don't even have a dog. I think of me as the dog. I'm just like, ah, I hate it. I don't like it. It doesn't make me anxious. It's just like, it just reminds me of like, I'm going to go outside and see a bunch of people that are like, duh, duh. You know, uh, last summer, the hospital ICUs were filled with people with COVID. This summer, right back to people blowing, blowing their fingers off. I am just like, I just wish, you know, look, maybe it would sound elitist, but honestly, a pack of fake plastic wine glasses and a pack of paper plates. It's the same thing. Just aesthetically, if I were president, I would say, everybody, if you all get vaccinated and we can really beat COVID, we can have a party. We can have um, a summer solstice party or a August nights party. And we can have it at, you know, as the sun is starting, starting to set and We'll have twinkly fairy lights everywhere and they'll be past champagne and hors d'oeuvres like instead of like just, I don't know. Oh God, I hope anyone that's not a 4th of July lover feels me. Just mark my words, it's going to be off the hook this year and not, I want it to be hooked. Although I did enjoy the fireworks that we saw at the inauguration. I thought it was, that's where you want your fireworks. You know, there's this, these, these, uh, the buildings in Washington and, and things are you know, bombs bursting in air and Katy Perry's going, that you're a firework. Although I'm so dumb, I thought that was Lady Gaga. And I was like, wow, Lady Gaga performed earlier and then she changed her outfit and came back to sing this. And then I didn't even notice it's it's two completely different faces. It was just like the lady who does pop music and belts it out. And then a week later, somebody mentioned that it was Katy Perry. And I thought, oh, right, it's two different people. And that's... Right. Okay. Sorry. So I didn't mind that, but enough. I've seen fireworks on TV in January. I'm good for like till the next inauguration. Anyway. Wow, Jen, I'm so glad that you remembered to bring that topic back from last week. I, (laughs) it was worth the wait. Okay. So the other thing I didn't talk about was, uh, and this is dumb, but I I had introduced a segment on the show called, I don't even know what it was, but the basic gist is people taking things too seriously on social media. So I have this Netflix special, Just Keep Living. It's been out since 2017. And I do this very long bit that took me years to perfect. And I'm just, I think it's great. And I talk about the bad sex education I got growing up and I didn't even know how sperm worked or how, you know, it's this whole journey. And it takes me to this moment I had. Oh God, hang on. 
Sorry, guys. I have too many candles burning in my home office and the door's shut and there's a very sensitive fire alarm in here and it's it's not even that the... Ugh, see, blowing out the candle just made it smoke. It's not even that it was smoky. It was that, I swear to God, the fire detector just detects the heat. Oh, it needs to stop. You guys, I'm doing a podcast. Oh my God. Okay, everyone hold. Everyone hold. Stop. Ah, oh, hang on a second. Okay, I think it's it stopped. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. At least it works. Let's be grateful. Okay, so um, I do this whole bit about my period, whatever. Then I do a bit about accidentally buying tampons in bulk, which is, again, I'm sorry if this bothers anybody. When people find out that stand-up isn't exactly true, it was an exaggeration. You know, I'm the type of gal who has a box of tampons under the sink. And for some reason, I'll keep a box under the sink with just one left in it. And it's like, I get my period and I open the sink and I have one and I go, oh, fuck, I got to go buy more. I'm always just like down to the wire. So this one day I was like, you know what? I'm in my 40s. How many more years left do I even have of my period? It could be five. It could be eight. But let's go out with a bang. Let's order them in bulk. And by bulk, I just meant like, I think on Amazon, you can buy six boxes at once. Like, let's just have enough for a year and uh, keep it in the linen closet. And I think I fucked up and bought, I don't know, it was something like, I think 10 boxes arrived. It wasn't really that big a deal. It was like, yeah, I, you know, there's like anywhere from like, what are there, 20 in a box? It's just like, it was going to last me a year. It's fine. You know, um, but I just put them in my small linen closet and I thought, that's so funny. I wonder how long this will take to go through. I bet about a year. And then I just thought, oh, that would be a funny joke where I have too many tampons and don't know what to do with them because I'm menopausal, which I wasn't and I'm not yet. But um, what if I gave him out on Halloween? It was just sort of like a way I was like, oh, that might tie up that period bit nicely, you know, which is really just a way of making fun of getting older. So I do the bit where I'm like, I've got this closet full of tampons. And so I just give them out on Halloween. Now, do people really think I'm giving it? I go, I even give it to the boys, you know, like people. It's a joke. It's a make them up. It's a silly sill. And so Netflix, God bless them for promoting the, the damn thing, but Netflix posted on their Facebook account a couple weeks ago um, that bit, which again, it's hard to take like three minutes of my stand-up when you separate it out from what's really a half an hour bit. I Well, people still probably wouldn't have gotten the context, but they said, Jen Kirkman has so many tampons. Every single comment was there are homeless shelters you can donate it to and I am horrified and I can't believe it. This is so, this is rude. Like people just going off on me that I wasn't donating the tampon. Like the tampons aren't here anymore. I used them up. The bit is four years old. People have no comprehension of when the bit came out and they're literally going crazy. By the way, it's not my account. So I'm not even good. I randomly happened to see it. So they're just right. They're just shouting into the wind that this woman needs to donate her tampons 
but they're not writing it to me. So what, why are they wasting their breath? Also, oh, it's a, ju- I, I just, my head was exploding that there's just, I don't know. And I, I was talking to a friend today and he said that, um, that he had homeschooled his kids until about, uh, they're, they're both 12 and 14 and they both wanted to go to school, school this year. And so him and his wife were like, great. You know, we wanted to homeschool you because we felt we could give you some things that aren't given. Uh, but go go ahead. And they're like nailing it, getting all A's. And their teachers can't believe that these kids read for fun. And in their English class, they just have to get through one book for the whole year. I used to read like two books a week when I was growing up. Like I read like 50 books a year. Like I read so much and I can tell, like I'm sorry to say it. I know that younger people don't like to be pigeonholed, but there is an entire generation of people in their 20s that did not grow up reading for fun. I don't mean reading threads or reading quick comments on the internet. I mean, sitting and reading books. There, It does something to your brain where you can comprehend sarcasm better. And there's something that's not... I, I don't have the language for it. Somebody smarter than me is going to write a book about this someday and I'm going to read it on air. But I just, I couldn't believe, I mean, look, everyone's heart's in the right place. Of course, donate tampons to homeless shelters. I actually do that. I was doing it um, during the Texas blackout. I was I was donating things um, that certain shelters needed. And I always go for the sanitary products. There's there's um, a, a, an organization called Period that helps um, women get, you know, their, their sanitary needs. I don't believe that we should charge for tampons and pads in public bathrooms. Like I'm all about all of that, but it was just an exaggeration. I didn't have enough leftover tampons to actually make a difference at a homeless shelter. I wasn't going to drive to a homeless shelter with a box of 24 tampons and go, here you go. Like it was just plenty for a person to have as their stash. Like I just, it. I didn't actually have as many as I said. And I'm sorry if that's, considered lying. That's what we used to call jokes back in my day. Oh my God. Guys, people who think they want to get into comedy, you're you're in a fantasy world of what it's going to be like. You're in a fantasy world of what it's going to be like. If you are not where you want to be in your comedy career, get on your knees right now and thank God or goddess or whatever and just say, you know what? I don't have these kind of headaches. Okay. Just want to remind everyone that this podcast, No Fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, is part of the Misfit Toys Comedy Network, started by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of the Never Not Funny podcast. There's a lot of great podcasts in this network. Click my show notes to check them all out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Also, everybody... Just want to remind you, I have had such a great uptick in Patreon subscribers. Let's keep doing it. 
um, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. I give you so many bonuses. For $5 a month, you get four videos a week. The video version is longer. It has extra stuff. You get a 20-minute bonus episode where I talk about something in celebrity and pop culture. And I have released unreleased stand-up sets audio that will never be seen on a special. Um, Netflix, Amazon, HBO, HBO Max, all of the streaming networks in 2017, 2018 said absolutely no. We uh, Netflix didn't even want to come see my new stuff. They just don't, they're not a fan. They had a changeover in um, people that run it. HBO came to see one of my shows and they said it made them feel bad about men. And uh, I am just not the young hot thing anymore. So this is what I have to do. And you are supporting me where I actually have been cast aside by the comedy world. I used to do a special and then the other half of the year I would tour and it would work out beautifully and I was able to live comfortably and it was great. Uh, Without a special that's new, the tour numbers go down. It makes it harder. You have to work. So this is what I do instead. I do the Patreon and I think you will honestly love it. It's it's something that I love doing. I don't mean it to sound like, I don't have this, so I have to do that. I had to say, you know what? If the comedy industry is going to just be like fucking bye you don't get to advance like Bill Burr and all the other dudes at your level then okay great I'll do my own thing but you know as triumphant as it sounds to do my own thing I need a lot more subscribers to make it a really big successful thing so let's do that patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman tons of bonuses super fun stuff the $10 level um, you get three bonuses a month in addition to the video version. And in April, I believe I'm going to travel home to see my family. And I think my $10 version is going to be uh, making videos with them. So if that kind of thing interests you, there you go. In the past, I've done uh, an interview with Dana Carvey. I've done a day in the life of my life around town. The $10 episode is always, uh, the $10 one hour bonus episode a month is always super, super fun. So join up. And if you need to cancel sometimes and come back, you know, whatever, Come and go, depending on your budget. But just know that when I say the Patreon thing, that it, this is really the real deal and what and what's going on. And let me remind you that the men who have been brought up in sexual assault charges, who never uh, faced time, they have Patreons and they make about fifty grand a month. So um, I'd love that. But uh, you know, a lot of times a fan base has to be rabid about something. They have to feel like they're fighting the power with you. And so a lot of these rapey guys, they get their fans all worked up against being canceled. So what can I rile you guys up about that will make you want to join? Well, I figured maybe just the fucking truth, which is that right now it has been something that I've secretly been fighting with my agents and manager behind the scenes for years, but it's just not happening that I will be paid to do a special. And, uh, So there you go. It might come back around in a few years, but for now I need to earn a living. So this is how I'm doing it. But by the way, it's actually really fun and I kind of like it better in a strange way. So I'm like not complaining. I'm really just saying that's what I do. So that's what I do and doodly do. Um, And I also hit the microphone like that, which is super duper professional. By the way, thanks to uh, my Patreon subscribers, I'm going to do some shout outs every week. So let's do some shout outs right now. Ash Freed, thank you. You fucking rock. Ooh, ooh. Darcy Cole Breeze, you're a motherfucking player. Ooh, ooh. Kevin Fitzpatrick, oh my God. Just going to give you a big internet hug. Ooh, ooh. Jared Hughes, look at you, you rich bitch. Thank you. Ooh, ooh. David Kane, 
Come on, who's better than you? Thank you. Deborah Valenti. You rock my fucking world, baby. There you go. There's everybody's shout out. If you want something like that, well, then you got to join the Patreon. Okay, so. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Again, as I said, I don't feel like I've been like living a life so I thought I have some crazy articles to read you. Okay, so first of all, you know, I haven't been on a plane in a year. And uh, I'm hoping I don't revert to a fear of flying, which again, I'm never afraid of the plane crashing. It's just being trapped in the air. And, you know, I won't get in your head about it. If I take a clonopin, usually I'm fine. So I'm not too, too worried about it. But, you know, uh... This story doesn't make me happy because I go, oh, right. Everyone's been a little unhinged the last year, including people who fly planes. <laughs> and you really don't want you really don't want to be flying to a state or city that your pilot hates because you get someone unhinged enough. I mean, you know. You get someone unhinged enough. You can well. They don't want to die, so they're not going to crash the plane. Well, what if they're, what if they've lost their mind enough? So, this um, pilot, the Southwest pilot, was on a hot mic. I mean, they're always on mic. I don't understand, especially if you're landing, everyone can hear you. I, I mean, I don't know if it was a hot mic like the passengers heard him, but but certainly air control can. I actually have to. I read this article, but I. I don't think I understand exactly what hot mic means in this in this case. So Southwest pilot on hot mic goes on expletive laden rant against the Bay Area. This is uh, from San Francisco SFGate.com. Last. OK, March 25th. The pilot who delivered the anti Bay Area rant has been confirmed to be an employee of Southwest Airlines. A spokesman for the company did not identify the pilot, but said that they are fully addressing the situation internally. Quote, our corporate culture is built on a tenant of treating others with concern and dignity, and the comments are inconsistent with the professional behavior and overall respect that we require from our employees, the spokesman said in a statement. The situation was an isolated incident involving a single employee and not representative of the nearly 60,000 hardworking, respectful people of Southwest Airlines. Well, let's hope. As a policy, the FAA does not identify the subjects of an investigation, but Will Lawton, a private pilot based out of SJC, SJC, where's that? Uh, who routinely listens to live ATC, again, I don't know what that is, and who initially reported the incident, believed he knew which airline is involved. So is it just like a private pilot who's 
based out of somewhere and likes to listen to the live feed of it was like my dad used to have a police scanner i mean this is this is true uh I don't know, working class. Like we had an upright piano. So that's cool, right? Like I know Beethoven and Mozart are playing piano. But on top of the piano, we have a police scanner. And I'm like, yeah, let's turn on, you know, after I do la, 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 la. And I'm playing my lessons and I'm, oh, such a cultured kid. It's like dinner time. Dad, can we listen to the police scanner? Like, yeah. You just listen to people you know, getting in trouble, you know, small time, small time suburban criminals. Just get to listen to what the police are saying in their cars. (laughs) I just love the juxtaposition of a police scanner on top of a piano. Anyway, so I don't know if this if this uh, independent pilot was listening to like something that's akin to that. Um. My opinion is that the voice talking during the stuck mic situation matches the voice at the end saying Southwest 531 ready to go. Lawton wrote in a Twitter message. Again, this is Will Lawton, a private pilot who's doing a little investigative work on his own. He said as to whether it was the captain or the first officer, there's no way to know. And only Southwest would have a record of what pilots were working, what flights that day. I got to follow this Will Lawton on Twitter. He sounds like he's got all the hot goss about what's going on in the airs. And and honestly, as I get back into the world of flying, I would like to know what pilots are saying so I can just be informed. You know, be extra nice to your pilots, you guys, when you get on the plane. Extra nice. It just makes me sad and angry to hear folks who are expected to be professionals in care of the general public acting in this manner, he added. Um... So in a hot mic incident recorded over the Minita San Jose International Airport's traffic control scanner, an unidentified pilot was heard delivering an expletive heavy rant. He says, fuck this place, goddamn liberal fucks. He then continues making several other curse word comments before being interrupted by what seems to be an air traffic controller. The audio is archived online at Live ATC, a website that live streams air traffic control transmissions. Though the audio is fuzzy and the context of the remarks is unclear, the pilot can be heard repeatedly saying, fucking weirdos, probably driving around in fucking Hyundais, fucking roads and shit that go slow as fuck. You don't have balls unless you're fucking rolling coal, man. God damn it. <laughs> okay. Commenting on the incident, airport spokesperson Demetria Mikado wrote, this communication is very unprofessional. Well, it's more than that, honey. It's unhinged. And I have forwarded the communication to the FAA. In a statement, the FAA spokesperson Ian Greger wrote, The FAA regulations prohibit airline pilots from talking about subjects that are unrelated to safely conducting their flight while taxiing and flying below 10,000 feet altitude. I hope this dude gets fired because I don't need any unhinged people, again, flying my planes. I fly to San Jose and San Francisco on Southwest as often as I do anything else. And uh, this guy scares me. Now, what I think is so interesting, so we, we obviously know that there's a, a rash of Asian hate crimes going on. So, you know, do we add into the context that there's, he's mentioning Hyundai, like there's clearly something going on there in his mind with, you know, that's a, a actually people mistake it for a Japanese made car. It's a Korean car. But I just think fucking weirdos driving around in Hyundais. That's not a car a weirdo drives. A weirdo drives like 
a VW van from the 70s that they've, you know, turned into, you know, they've ripped all the seats out and put like a mattress in the back. Like that's the kind of car a weirdo drives. You could even argue that a weirdo drives one of those minis and decorates it to their liking. But a Hyundai is like what the most basic people drive. It's like a very affordable car and they make them to look kind of nice and luxury at a certain price point. The four-door, it's a four-door sedan. It's a Hyundai. Like, it's not a weirdo's car. Fucking roads, that, sh- that shit that goes slow. Okay, okay. So first of all, I wonder if he means liberals. And in that case, I wonder if he doesn't mean Priuses. Because that's normally the joke. You know, you make fun of liberals driving their electric car, their Prius, which is made by Toyota, which is a Japanese company. Maybe he's confusing his racism, but I looked it up and I I think he means Prius. Uh, Southwest planes are all Boeing planes and Boeing, the parts that make a Boeing even able to fly, you cannot fly a Boeing without parts that are made in Japan. So it's like, dude, you are, you are a weirdo driving a plane that could not have been done without Asians. So, you know, it just like I goddamn liberal fucks. Yeah. Liberals in their Hyundais. I mean, <laughs> it used to be limousine liberals with their lattes. I guess now it's Hyundais. I feel like across the boards. And by the way, if you want to get real into it, it was a fucking liberal, Barack Obama, who saved the car industry in Detroit. The Republicans had just let it die, had just let the auto industry that was totally American in Detroit die. Barack Obama bailed it out. So I'm just saying, I don't really think, nothing he's saying makes any sense. And I, 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 I'm all for second chances, not in this case. You can't fly a plane if you're that unhinged. And you go, go dig coal then or whatever he says they're doing. Go get a job in a coal mine. See how much you like that. So now we're on to Spirit Airlines, which... This one doesn't scare me as much because I'm never getting on Spirit Airlines. And I feel like this is a very Spirit Airlines thing. And I'm always like, look, a shirt, a passenger who is trying to open the door. I mean, God help me knock on wood. I don't want to be too uh, cocky here, but usually that's pretty easy to take down. Spirit Airlines, flight diverted after shirtless passenger tries to open the exit door. Now, the only time I would understand this if it was a woman having a hot flash. If she's like, I'm sorry, I cannot cool down. <laughs> that You think that little air thing blowing on me helps? I got to take my shirt off. And I, you know what? I see we're flying over the mountains and I see those snow caps. I got to just open the door. I need some fucking fresh air. You guys have no idea what menopause is like. Okay, so a Spirit Airlines flight heading to Los Angeles was forced to divert to Denver on Wednesday. All these flights coming into California, maybe we should just ground all flights coming into California. It seems like there's a lot of issues going on. (laughs) Angry pilots who don't want to fly into San Jose or San Francisco. Now this cell phone videos show the, okay, a shirtless passenger tried to open an exit door. Cell phone videos show the aftermath of the midair incident. Um, And they show crew members and passengers trying to restrain the man near the door before he was held down on his seat. I'm pretty sure that those doors can't even open in the air. Maybe I'm totally wrong. 
I'm probably totally wrong. A passenger who filmed one of the videos told an NBC local station that the unidentified man emerged from a restroom shirtless <laughs> and headed to one of the exit doors, apparently without saying a word. Well, yeah, I don't think you're going to announce, I'm headed to the exit door, everybody. So you have plenty of time to take me down. Like, I wouldn't say anything either. If I was trying something like that, I'd, I'd be like trying to act invisible. I do enjoy that he went to the bathroom and took his shirt off. Like, that's a very modest person, right? Um, there's one thing to be in a state of undress, but it's quite another to strip in front of people. So he's like, listen, I'm very shy about my body. <laughs> I'm going to take my shirt off in the bathroom, do some, you know, deep breathing in the mirror, look myself in the eye and say, you're body is pretty damn good after this pandemic. Get out there, Martin. Get out there and walk around with your shirt off. Okay, so Flight 185 left Cleveland around 6 p.m., was forced to land at the Denver airport after the disturbance. Spirit Airlines did not immediately return a request for comment, but a company official told news outlets in a statement that the unruly passenger was taken into custody in Denver and that police were investigating the incident. It is important to note that opening a door in flight is impossible. Oh, okay, I was right. Due to air pressure inside the cabin, pinning the door against its frame with a force stronger than any person could ever overcome. The official also thanked crew members and passengers who assisted in handling the situation. No injuries reported. Well, that's good news. So if you ever see a shirtless person or a shirted person running to open the door, at least know that they don't have the strength to open it. But I think even trying to do it is just a bad look. So you're always going to be, you know, the plane will always have to be diverted and you're always going to be arrested or taken into custody once you land. So just don't even use the excuse, what, it wouldn't have opened anyway. I think don't even try it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, so while we're having all of this strife here on Earth, we're in the middle of a pandemic. There is, as always, social, racial unrest political turmoil, climate change. While all that goes on, there's always someone doing stuff in space, right? I feel like lately we're sending a lot of things to space. We're, we're doing a lot. But listen, it's great. I'm just always confused about what. So this article, scientists want to send six 0.7 million sperm samples to the moon. And at first I read that and I was like, men, you need to calm down about your sperm and your penises. You need a hobby. You need, can you stop trying to, can you stop trying to send it everywhere? Just please leave the moon alone. And then I read that it wasn't just sperm. So that was just sort of a uh, clickbait, as they say. It was, it's both. They're sending both both substances. So here it is. Scientists have begun to lay plans for repopulation, starting with a sperm bank on the moon. I mean, what? 
Why? Why do we need to repopulate? In what they're calling a modern global insurance policy. Insurance of what? Like, why do we need people? Like, why do we need to keep carrying on? You could say, well, capitalism and people need to buy things. But if everyone's dead, who cares? I don't understand the mentality. If you're going to be dead, who cares if humans carry on? If you're, you know what I mean? I don't mean like, I don't mean act like an asshole because you're going to die someday. Who cares? But I mean, people who are like, when we're long gone, let's make sure the population's going. Why? 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 Okay, so in what they're calling a modern global insurance policy, mechanical engineers have proposed that humans establish a repository of reproductive cells, sperm and ova, from 6.7 million of Earth's species, including humans. Oh, so it's animals too. Okay. So it's like a real, um, it's like Noah's Ark, you know? Noah just put like two giraffes together and two monkeys and uh, thought he'd repopulate. That way we are sending sperm and ova to the moon. But what, do we get to decide which humans? I mean, I really think we should have a vote on this. Or this, uh, maybe there's some kind of a contest, like American idol style, you know, American sperm and ova. Some contest where you get on stage and you demonstrate a skill and you show your, you take an IQ test and you give a speech and you, you know, you talk about maybe your family history of medical issues, and we decide if your sperm and egg should be sent to the moon. I mean, who is this? I don't, I mean, can you imagine if it's just like, you know, they send the My Pillow guy's sperm to the moon and Judge Jean Panini or whatever her name is? I mean, we, do we want this? Again, I'll be long gone and it's on the moon, so technically I don't care, but I'm trying to have a little bit of concern for future populations. And the proposed bank or ARC, oh my God, I hadn't even read this article yet. And it, they already were, we're already thinking the same way, would be beneath the moon's surface. I don't even comprehend how this stays alive there or how I didn't even know that we were able to get below the, okay. As our planet faces natural disasters, drought, asteroids, and the potential for nuclear war, to name a few troubles, scientists say that humans must set their sights on space travel to preserve life as we know it. Well, first of all, Asteroids and nuclear war can also happen in space. You don't think we're going to take the nukes with us? You got to be fucking kidding. Earth is naturally a volatile environment, said study author Jake Thanga, whose team at the University of Arizona submitted their report, Lunar Pits and Lava Tubes for a Modern Arc, at the annual Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers Aerospace Conference on Saturday. Now, I have no idea how serious these people are. Are these like idiots or are these real... Like, who knows what I'm reading? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Due to the planet's instability, he said, an Earth-based repository would leave specimens vulnerable. So as such, Thanga proposed jumpstarting a planetary exodus of sorts by founding a human seed vault on the moon as soon as possible. It would store reproductive cells in recently discovered Luna pits from which scientists believe lava once flowed billions of years ago. On the moon, pits in the ground lead to lava tubes that are now hollow that reach down some 80 to 100 meters underground, making them ideal for protecting precious cargo from the lunar elements. The so-called ARC, according to this guy's presentation, would then cryogenically preserve various species in the event of global disaster. But who would be left to then get to the moon and... 
We can still save them until the tech advances to then reintroduce these species. In other words, save them for another day. The pits are also the perfect size for cell storage. They go down to 80 to 100 meters. They provide uh, shelter from the surface of the moon, which endures major temperature swings, as well as threats from meteorites and radiation. He said that many plants and animals are seriously endangered, citing the eruption of Indonesia's Mount Toba 75,000 years ago. And he says it's a reason for worry, saying it caused a 1,000-year cooling period and, according to some, aligns with an estimated drop in human... It cut off the word. I think it says... Diversity or adversity? He sees a current day parallel due to human activity and other factors that we don't fully understand. There's been rapid losses in the last few decades. Oh, just let us die off. Who cares? (laughs) The ARC concept is already being employed at the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, housing plants, that is, on the Norwegian island of Spitsbergen in the Arctic Circle, where scientists say the massive stone structure can endure undisturbed by humans or the elements. Oh, I'll, okay, wait, I think I'm getting it now. So in other words, it's like a storage space. So we're putting all of this sperm and egg in plant life. We're hiding it on the moon because the earth is not stable enough to keep it here. So if the earth gets bad enough, we then go to the moon and get back all our cells. And, or no, it is to, to have life on the moon. I, I just don't think we can have life on the moon. Okay. Thanga Thanga added that he was surprised by how cost-effective the mission could be, according to his back-of-an-envelope estimation. (laughs) To transport 50 samples of each species would take 250 rocket launches. By comparison, 40 launches were required to build the International Space Station, which sits in low Earth orbit. It's not crazy. We were a little surprised about that. I don't know. I mean, sure. Keep me posted. Keep me posted, everybody. I... I just don't see the point. I think, you know, if we're supposed to be, if there's supposed to be an eruption of some kind of lava, if we're supposed to see a meteorite, right? Just let it be. But this I'm interested in. We sent wine to outer space to see. Now, again, (laughs) there are people like, can we, can we have voting rights? Can we have health care? No, but we can have, and hear me out, we can have wine go to space and it actually ages better than if you kept it in a wine cellar. So I'm just saying, if you want a really good wine, um, we have that for you, which, you know, ironically can help relieve uh, a lot of medical issues um, or at least cover them up. So if you don't have a healthcare plan, maybe you want to invest in one of these bottles of wine that we've sent to space. So here's this article. Chateau Petras. It's a top-notch Bordeaux that costs 5,000 euros. Now, at first I was sort of, you know, why are we doing this? This is a waste of money. This is so stupid. But I am starting to see that if you do things like send wine into space... And then analyze how the atmosphere changed the wine or didn't change the wine. It can help in a scientific way to, I don't know, help us discover things that might help with life. Uh, Maybe I'm just full of shit. Maybe it's just some rich people going, we're bored. Honey, 
how much how many of those bottles do we have? Which ones? The Bordeaux, the Pet, the Patris. Uh got about 12. Well, let's put them in space. You know, just for fun. I am so bored being so rich. <laughs> Can we just put some wine in space? Okay, so Uh, Wine culture in Bordeaux has been the focus of the region's agriculture for centuries, and producers know very well how climate, altitude, and other significant factors affect the character of the wines they sell. Moreover, winemakers have spent infinite time and money analyzing techniques to find the perfect expression of their grapes in a glass. But on Wednesday, they found out what happens when wine goes to that final frontier, space. And part of me is like, you know, during the pandemic, let's keep all the wine on earth. Just let's not waste any of it. Let's just makes me feel anxious to be sending wine out of the atmosphere right now. And it's not just any wine that spent one year in space. Chateau Pétus is one of the most celebrated and expensive wines in the world. The area of production is Pomerol, which nestles next to Saint-Emilion on the right bank of Bordeaux. Wines from there have no classifications, but no mistake... Petrus is a big hitter. It's not just any bottle that was sent up to the ISS. It's a bottle of Chateau Petras 2000, says Felipe Dariot, head oneologist and president at IS... Oh God, my eyes are failing me. ISW or ISVV Bordeaux? Who cares? Oh, it's VW, Science Institute of Vine and Wine. Cute! The results were made public on Wednesday when the Space Cargo Unlimited startup, in partnership with Science Institute of Vine and Wine, announced that the 12 bottles and 320 vine shoots had come back to Earth tasting, smelling, and looking different compared to bottles that remained on the ground. The main reason for going to space was, in fact, to see how the aging process is working and how we can influence the aging process for that. We need to know how the aging process is working. And the only way to find out the role of certain substances is to go under conditions where you can exclude these workings of these substances. For example, oxygen, says Dr. Michael LeBaire, a space biologist who helped design the experiment. And if spending a year in space isn't enough to make this a special vintage, Felipe Dariot, the head oneologist, reveals the wine is incredibly exclusive at 5,000 euros a bottle. I already told you that. Okay. Jane Anson, who is a wine expert and a writer for the hallowed wine publication Decanter, thinks she can spot the difference. She said they were both absolutely gorgeous. She means the wine um, that stayed on Earth and the wine that went to space. But again, following the color, the one that had remained on Earth for me was still a bit more closed, a bit more tannic, a bit younger. And the one that had been up into space, the tannins had softened. The side of more floral aromatics came out. They were both beautiful. The one that had remained on Earth was a little younger than the one that had been sent to space, she says. Uh, another, I think it's onologist. If I'm saying it wrong, forgive me. I'm a girl who grew up with a police scanner on a piano, okay? Frank Dubordieu is less certain. It wasn't easy to define. I'm not sure I got it right. I am being honest. It was difficult. I don't even know what his opinion is. So why would the wines taste different? Well, when you decant a wine and you swirl it in your glass, you are speeding up the oxidization of the wine. You are, in effect, opening it up by instigating a chemical reaction. And so space biologist LeBaire explains more. Under normal conditions on Earth, on the ground, 
we have a limited supply of oxygen, but we always have convection. And this convection works in a way that it's mixing around the oxygen. So it's almost all the time the same oxygen concentration. And this gives them ways to... Huh? And this gives them ways to all kinds of chemical reactions, which result in aging, which results in oxidization, oxidizing substances, which change the taste. In space, without gravity, that convection doesn't happen. Can this improve winemaking on Earth? Well... Preliminary results from the tasting released on Wednesday showed differences in color, taste, and aroma between the space wine and the earth wine. Understanding how gravity and oxygen affect the aging process could allow producers to age fine wines more quickly. But this experiment isn't just about the finished bottles. The space cargo also included vines. The vine snippets known as canes in the grape-growing world, not only all survived the journey, but also grew faster than the vines on Earth, despite limited light and water. I, that freaks me out. That's kind of cool. One of the things which surprised us a lot is that all the canes survived. But what happened in addition is that these canes which came back are growing much, much faster than the controls. Oh, I would love if there were these like aliens up there that were like, oh, <laughs> they're like French aliens. Oh, they sent up these vines. We know what to do. This sounds more like a Nazi. Uh, we know what to do with, um, I can't do it. What's up with my accent? Or like, we know what to do with the vines. I'll just do that. These humans will never know that we messed with it. And then they sent it back down to Earth. Jen, great sketch. Once again, you really, it was like theater of the mind. That was, I mean, Jen, you might want to think about, you know, releasing that as an audio, I don't know, like an audio play, an audio movie, that French alien that sounded like a German Nazi that then ended up sounding like an alien. Wow, you really took you really took me out of myself in that moment, Jen. Anyway, some of the vines started flowering just three to four weeks after returning to Earth. So scientists plan to carry out more tests to determine how they changed during their zero gravity journey. Oh my God, I want wine so badly right now. And a big test for them will be resilience. Winemakers lose crops all the time due to rot and mildew. So could these be things of the past soon. See, that's kind of cool. I mean, it's not like winemakers themselves are these rich fucks. Like you've got farmers there and they're losing their crops due to rotten mildew. And if there's a way to not lose crops, then everybody profits and you get more wine. So go ahead, go send your wine to space. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a waste anymore. Um, what we're hoping for is that the plants that come back from space might have acquired trademarks, different characteristics. And that's the objective of our research, says the head of vine research, Stephanie Cluze. So now she's talking some big words, phylorexia. I don't know what she's saying, but understanding how plants develop outside of the Earth's atmosphere could pave way for vine growing and winemaking in space. Oh my God, we've got sperm and egg and wine in space. I mean, that, does that go together or what? Have a couple drinks, you get a little crazy. Next thing you know, you're pregnant. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we're going to make wine in space. We create tremendous uh, blah, blah. Okay, the idea is that what is able to resist the stress, the lack of gravity, will be better equipped, more resilient in the face of stresses such as climate change, which leads to more salty soils due to the lower content of water and also higher temperature variations. Private investors helped fund the project, although the overall cost wasn't disclosed. Ooh, I'd love to know what it was. 
Well, there you go. So those of you who are, you know, wine connoisseurs, maybe you'll get to drink wine in space someday. And if you're looking to get pregnant, you can inseminate yourself while you're there too with that sperm and egg that we're keeping. Oh, wow. See how much you learn on the No Fun Podcast. So let's close out for this. Listener emails, just a couple of them. Just a couple of them here for you. I hate when people say for you, and I just did it. Ah, oh, Jen. I do try to keep emails short, but honestly, I end up talking too much because I spend so much time alone. I know you're from Midnight and Drunk History. I align with so many things that you do. If I had friends worth crap, I'd get them to listen to your show, but I can't ever get my friends to do anything or listen or watch anything I tell them. No one listens to me. No one around me listens to podcasts except one woman I work with who loves true crime only. Oh, listen, y'all don't have to, let me tell you something. Y'all don't have to advertise the podcast. I have 250,000 Twitter followers and only about 10,000 of them listen to the podcast. I got all the people that love me at my fingertips, and I can't even get them to listen. You know what I'm saying? So all I want you guys to do is leave a review, whatever podcast app you listen to this on, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, give it five stars, write a review. And if you're not good with words, this week's review can be, I want to drink wine in space and listen to this podcast. That's how much I love it. There you go. That's what you write. And that that helps. It pushes the podcast to the top of the thing. More people find it. And your review could convince someone that you don't even know to listen to it. But don't annoy your friends with telling them what to listen to. Nobody likes recommendations. I'm so glad. For everyone, if the podcast means something to you, that's great. But I know for me, I I don't tell anyone what podcasts I listen to because to each their own. And most people do just want to listen to true crime. Anyway, I've really been loving your podcast since I learned of it a few months ago. I'm glad you do it. And I like watching the video version on Patreon too. Oh, thank you. I'm waving to you. I'm an introvert who does not do well with more than four in a group. I just hush up and get lost, but I can be loud and seem outgoing with a few close friends. I have few friends, not really my choice. I'm 47, but I refuse to look or act my age. I live in New Jersey. I'm very antisocial and I don't even date anymore. My heart cannot take another break. Also, it's pretty dead now. I spend all my free time with my cats and watching TV, movies, listening to podcasts, and a little reading. Well, that sounds fun to me. I have been working full-time from home during the pandemic, a first for me, but my company was set up for this. Haven't had any downtime. We all had laptops and everyone was set to work everywhere. My group of four started having to go in one day a week to mail things around the summer. I hate leaving the house even more than I used to now. Some of the ladies on my team go in the whole day on their day, but I can't stand you for more than half at most. I bet those ladies probably have kids. So to be honest, I would mind it less if my team was back with me. It's, it's lonely and not enjoyable being there. I know in coming months we'll start going in more, though this did open the door to work from home two to three days a week. Still going to be hard to get used to full days at the office and not my comfy home setup with my kitties. Oh, I can't, I can't even imagine um, not having cats at the job. I mean, I don't have cats. I love cats. I'm a cat freak. Um... I get it. Nextdoor is not only for owners. Oh, because I mentioned someone that I don't use the Nextdoor app because I'm not a homeowner. It's for everyone in a community to be in touch. Not that I chat with my neighbors, but people will post, hey, is the power out for everyone? Did anyone else see that UFO or hear that big boom? Early pandemic, some posted what stores had toilet paper in stock. 
I loved The Good Lord Bird. Okay, you're like the only other person I've heard that watched it. I shamefully did not know that story before that show. Well, neither did I. That's why I, that's why I thought it was great. I don't watch award shows. I don't know half the people in them. And I don't agree with most awards. All for now, Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. This is from Tammy. I saw Kid 90 on Hulu and I am obsessed. Uh, Soleil Moonfry, who played Punky Brewster, everybody. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch this. I haven't watched it yet. Videotaped everything she and her friends did when they were teens. And since it was pre-internet, people were more open and trusting of the camera. Have you seen it or are you curious about it? I am curious about it. Um, I really don't care too much about Soleil Moonfry. Not in a bad way. I just don't care. Um, I watched Punky Brewster as a kid, but it didn't stay with me like I don't care. But I did see the trailer and it looks amazing because in the 90s, my friend Jackie, who I went to college with, had a giant video camera and she videotaped every single moment of our days in college. And because of her doing that, it was why I got interested in stand up. It's a long, boring story, but I would love to see what we were doing. And there was no Internet. And I just so it it reminded me of that. And I think for that reason, I'd be very interested in watching it. Um, Maybe I'll watch it tonight. I'm also thrilled um, that they're bringing back some shows from the 90s, including my so-called life. I have no idea if you were into that show, but it brings me sweet, comforting nostalgia. Um, A friend of mine brought up the movie Thumbsucker with Keanu Reeves, and I'd never heard about it. It's not a 90s movie, but I know you like Keanu. Um, I haven't heard of it either. I probably won't. Eh, Maybe I'll check it out. I don't know. Um, I didn't love my so-called life. I didn't hate it, but it was interesting, like... Every time I want to write a TV show, it's always my so-called life-ish. Like I, I pitched a show that didn't get picked up that was kind of similar. But um, even though my life, I, you know why I didn't like it growing up? Because I did relate. I was kind of that weird girl with the dyed hair and I had a gay friend. But I didn't relate to how quiet she was. I really don't like the quiet, like doe-eyed teenager. I just don't. Like I just want something about a loudmouth girl. And so it was just not my thing. And so I was more of a 90210 girl, even though they were more like basic and popular and like whatever than me. I really just related to Brenda. Like she was a lot and I'm a lot and I was a lot. And I just didn't relate to the shy, doe-eyed, my so-called life thing. Like I certainly related to being a teenager, but I was just like, why are you so quiet? Like it was annoying. And there were always these like quiet, like neither punk nor normal girls that like all the punk boys always had crushes on and it always drove me crazy I was like why don't you guys like any of the loud girls I hated it um hated that not the show okay thank you for your podcast this the patreon specials are helping me get through every day Tammy thanks Tammy and I'm waving at you too Jen I followed you on Twitter since hearing you on the Stephanie Miller show this month I decided to listen to the podcast and became a patreon subscriber Guys, I didn't know all these emails were going to be from Patreon subscribers. I'm really not trying to press, no press John Tesh, as I say, out there. Since I am new and still in the honeymoon phase, well, I hope we don't, I hope we don't have a bad falling out. I've been listening to a lot of the old episodes and bonus material. I've been meaning to send this since I heard your discussion about getting back to normal, which is now not the current episode. Oh, don't you worry, my friend. It's all I talk about. I acknowledge I have pandemic guilt since my life has gone on fairly normally with those, while those around me suffer greatly. I was defined as an essential worker uh, from the beginning, but I can do my job without being face-to-face with people. So I have not lost much income or been exposed to a lot of risk. While I am a social person when we are with others, I never really wanted to go out, but would enjoy myself when we were there. Now, because of Zoom and other platforms, I get the experience of socializing with others without leaving my house. 
The big loss has been live theater. My wife and I subscribed to two of the theaters in the area, so we saw live performances about once a month. I really feel for you and other live performers and the support crews who have lost a lot during this time. Well, I will tell you that I was losing my audience before the pandemic, and the pandemic was amazing for me because I ended up doing some TV writing and the Patreon. So uh, don't feel bad for me. The pandemic didn't fuck up my um, live performance life. It was uh, people who would go, I don't want to go out. Before the pandemic, everyone was like, I want to come to your show, but I don't like going out. Or, you know, I just lost my audience because I didn't have a new special as you guys heard me complaining about earlier. But um, but I feel bad for myself because I love going to live things. Like, you know, I would go to New York all the time and I would see the ballet and I'm just really sad that I haven't been able to see anything live at all. Um, I did hear that they're going to do some outside performances um, at, uh, oh God, the place, not Rockefeller Center, the other place, Lincoln Center. Um, so I hope I get to go see something like that. Anyway. Going to live performances is one of the main things I am looking forward to when things start to reopen. Yes, yes, yes. God, this has killed the arts so much. There's been a few articles about how this has affected the arts, but I've been too depressed to read them. I'm not sure how long it will be before we feel comfortable returning to that setting. I agree. And and yet, you know, there are so, go, so many comedians have been performing all year long in packed houses to people without wearing masks. I don't understand. The comedy clubs are not regulated and they don't get fined. Like nothing happens. It's so bizarre. Okay. Um, this email was much more brilliant in my head. I just couldn't get it to the keyboard. Oh, listen, this doesn't have to be brilliant. But I wanted to let you know I appreciate your perspective on things. I am enjoying going back through your Patreon offerings. I also appreciate how seriously you are taking the pandemic. If others would just follow suit, we would be out of this faster. Thank you for your work, David. Thank you, David. And thanks for subscribing and I hope you and your wife can get back to the theater, feel comfortable, and thank you for being patrons of the arts and patron of this artist. Jen, hopefully the reviews on Apple Podcasts default to five stars because I forgot to click on it. I only realized that after I hit publish. I don't think it does, but that's okay. I love how you are going over the one hour mark on the podcast lately. I think Joe Rogan proved that not caring about time and not being tied to the clock works however long it takes. Oh God, don't mention Joe Rogan on my podcast. I've been doing this podcast. I don't know when Joe started his, but I started mine in 2013 and I've been going over the one hour mark the whole time. Haven't heard him lately since he started with all the conspiracy bullshit with Alex Jones. Oh, I know. And Eddie Bravo talking about our flat earth and then Joe Biden is like an old flashlight with a weak battery and he wouldn't want to go camping in the woods at night with it. Ugh. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when you were not talking about the Royals baby skin color, I was shooting. I was shouting, do not stream the movie Mandingo circa 1970s. The heavyweight champ at the time, Ken Norton, played a slave in the South and things did not go well when his master's wife baby came out with black skin. Oh boy. Ask Doug Benson how bad it was. He probably saw it. Tony Duque. Tony, I know I have said your name before and I think you told me I pronounced it correctly and I don't remember if it's Duke or Duque. I think it's actually Duke. Don't get mad at me. Um, but yes, they, I'm so glad you, um, you know, no, you know, honestly, swear to God, I, I will say this about Joe Rogan. I, I, I just think he puts a lot of disinformation out there and I think his fans can be, um, not you, obviously, Tony, but some of his other fans can be like real jerks. But I will say uh, something positive about Joe Rogan. I, 
I like the sound of his voice. I think it sounds like a really gentle voice. And um, I love podcasts where someone's like, not, if, like I love a, a comedian's podcast where they're not necessarily trying to be funny all the time. Like a lot of people come on and joke and he gets kind of like, eh, like he's just trying to like keep it back on the serious topic. I have listened to episodes long before he got to be like a little nutty buddy. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. But I, I just, you know, now at this point, I have to draw a line in the sand and, and I don't support it. But, you know, God bless to each their own. Everyone's doing their best. Comedians are fucking weirdos. I'll just tell you that. Um, okay, great. Great story, Jen. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. Urgh. Next week is a listener email episode, but by the time this is released, I will have already recorded it. So I guess this goes to my Patreon subscribers. If you want to send me an email, tell me to talk about a certain topic, iseemfun at gmail.com. Send it to me. And anyone who wants to send me an email about anything you've heard on the podcast, do that. If you write something in the comments or in a direct message on social media, it will not be read on air. Only things that come through iseemfun at gmail.com. So make the extra effort to send it in email form. Again, leave a review. If you don't want to join the Patreon, you can always just buy me a coffee. Um, it's a great way to support. Throw me three bucks. Everything goes towards, um, you know, expenses that I have for the podcast. Link in the show notes or buymeacoffee.com slash Jen Kirkman. Again, uh, I don't know. That's it. I mean, take care of yourselves and send me an email. Let me know what's up. And I think I've said everything I need to say. Oh, I'm probably forgetting something, but at least I know that I have, um, I don't even know. I, I, why can't I end this? This is awkward. This is awkward. This is an awkward moment. It's like two people trying not to be the first person that kisses the other or someone doesn't want to be kissed. And they're just like, okay, can I get out of the car now? Okay, until next week, have fun. Have fun.